I do believe there will be a greater transition to a consumer direct model. Again, do you do you go online and say, I need to fly to New York? Would you like to find the nearest location to book your flight or would you like to book online? Get started and we'll call you to book your flight. <laughs> you know, you just go and book your flight, right? So this is this is where this is headed. It's like credit card. It's like everything else. Um, and again, the faster it can be, we can talk about marketing, the, the uh, very nuanced conversations that will go on with that uh, because of the relationship time you have with people. But that means that the LO will have less relationship time with them too. The topic of digital evolution has been front and center on the Housing News Podcast. We've attacked it from the perspective of how digital innovation and evolution can boost origination volume. We've attacked it from the angle of how it can make loan originators and operations staff more efficient and effective. And we've attacked it from the cost angle. Today, we speak with Catherine Campbell, Chief Digital Officer at Assurance Financial, talking about the digital roadmap that she has been running since 2018, the changes, the iterations, and what it has enabled for the culture and the production volume and the efficiency at Assurance Financial. I really hope you enjoy this episode with Catherine. She has been a core part of the Housing Wire community, spoke at several events, spoke on several webinars, and we love the knowledge and transparency that she brings forward. I hope you enjoy this episode with Catherine Campbell, Chief Digital Officer at Assurance Financial. Catherine, this is uh, definitely going to be the least evergreen episode we've ever done. The stockings in the background really, really put a timestamp on this one. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you don't have those fancy background images. You can filter things out. So this is the real me today. That's right. I think this was just your way of making sure we published this episode in 2022. You didn't want me to like put it in like the hopper and pu- pump it out in February or something. That's exactly right. Make it happen. <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to to talk to you today. Um, and, you know, as we talked about before we started recording, this market is is moving fast, and uh, you know, it's forcing all of us to to make a lot of decisions and be very intentional with with where we make investments and the cost structures of our of our businesses. And it's really been like the, you know, the recurring theme with a lot of the guests we've had this, uh, this fall, even if we don't intend to talk technology, we start to get into technology investments and couldn't think of anybody better to, to dive deeper on that subject on than you, chief digital officer, assurance financial thrilled to have you. Thank you. So happy to be with you. Yes. Under difficult times for sure, but happy to be moving the industry forward. And it by far is the number one conversation for the C-suite when they're out and about. Yeah. So, so let's get into, before we kind of go into tech, like give us a snapshot of assurance. We'd love to like kind of get a, get a glimpse at the go to market strategy and the size. So like our audience can kind of put some context to the conversation about resources and technology. Sure. So Assurance Financial is based out of Louisiana. We have about 21 branches and maybe 10 or 11 states now. We are um, a very organic growth sort of company. We're a little more reserved, a little more conservative. And so we closed around $2 billion last year. We'll close just under that this year. 
We have around 120 loan officers, um, and we probably have some of the longest tenured loan officers in the industry. It's a very, uh, we call ourselves the people people. We very much are about who we work with and not just the bottom line, although certainly uh, it's it's uh, expressed more this year than ever to get to, you know, to profitability, but no doubt about it, the leaders of this, this company who've basically been here together from the beginning have done an excellent job of navigating turbulent times and very good ones as well. Interesting. So, and and you came into this role of chief digital officer from a, from a marketing background. How did that marketing background kind of influence the trajectory of your career? And like, why did it, why did it qualify you for like this very like digital innovation and transformation focused, like objective path? Well, this is again, you know, where these leaders, Kenny Hodges is the CEO, was so smart because if you think of it from a mortgage perspective, it would not have qualified me, right? How can I create uh, an end-to-end solution for, let's say, the loan officer side or even the journey for the customer side? where I don't even understand the the product and what the path is, right? What the typical path would be. But what happened was um, I was uh, in Baton Rouge. I had a small agency of my own and I was looking to, uh, you know, get a group of clients. I had just recently moved back there from coming in out of the country from Dubai, actually. And what were you doing in Dubai? I, I got married briefly. <laughs> I got to live in Dubai for a few years. It was fascinating. Absolutely. Just incredible times. My daughter graduated high school from the American School of Dubai and, um, you know, just fascinating. But before Dubai, I was actually in San Francisco for 20 years. So that was the first days of startup. I mean, right in the very beginning of that, I worked with every startup that never found funding again, you know, but the good thing about that is that as every next technology became available, every user experience, I'm talking from the early days of where do I navigate a website? Should we put the navigation at the top or down the left, you know, and in the very beginning of measuring analytics, like where we could say, it's not just whether or not they visited the site, it's whether or not they stayed on the site. Was it sticky enough? And then certainly was there a conversion? Very early days of web analytics. And so that brought me to a number of agencies. And of course, um, retail was fast and furious. And, and I had a number of retail cl- clients at an agency I was with, uh, you know, the Victoria's Secret Days and all the big sh- Zappos shoe companies and things. But as financial services, which is traditionally more laggard in adopting technology in general, uh, got on board with um, conversions online. You know, people thought you were going to have to go into a bank forever to open a checking account, uh, trying to get people. So from the very beginning, this was why I knew I wanted to be in financial services because the journeys are so significant because the consequence is so much greater, right? If you ended up buying the wrong pair of shoes or you booked the wrong trip, right? That consequence is navigable. Everybody can handle that. But in financial services, there's a big consequence. And so just the expertise of my digital background, I felt really compelled to make sure people didn't struggle through something that was so incredible that was going to change their lives. In my young days, I was on on the tech team for Wells Fargo in downtown San Francisco and very enthusiastic about it, which most people were not. I mean, look at our industry now, right? Most people are not enthusiastic about tech change. And they wanted me, which I did for a couple of months um, until my ego was bruised like a thousand times to stand in the long lines on the first and the 15th of the month when people held their check in their hands, you know, to just, that was their one transaction. They would wait an hour and 15 minutes to just do a check transaction. Right. 
And I would say, would you like me to show you how to do that in the ATM machine? And they were like, get away from me. I'm never putting my check in a machine. You know, that was just being screamed at for days. Uh, But the few that would say, okay, well, if you stand right behind me, I'll do it. And these were not old people. Don't get me wrong. This was everybody. Okay. So I would go to the machine and I would, you know, hide while they push their pen in and then the, watch the wow of their eyes when that check went through the ATM, to ATM machine. So that shows you how, how old I am and how long, you know, I've been doing this. But oh, that- I, don't, don't put too much um, emphasis on that. I did the same thing. My first did job you? was like, yeah, I did um, retail bank, uh, teller, customer service officer, like had to help people with their checks in the ATM, stood in the lobby to reduce lines off the teller window. Boom. Like, yeah, done it. Been there. That is a riot. But, but I was on Madison Avenue in Manhattan. So like I was helping people <laughs> with really big checks who still didn't like to use the ATM. <laughs> That's exa- Well, this was um, Mar- Market Street in San Francisco. Okay, you know, okay. same, same. This was the, you know, the big, huge, you know, uh, marble column, Wells Fargo yep. Bank, you know, standing there, same thing. Isn't that something? I had no idea. Yeah. So that's the answer to the story, to be honest. I mean, going back on the journey, realizing we were trying to train the team internally, certainly the branch managers and even the teller line, how to use the ATM machine in case someone asked them. Then when you started asking the customer their experience, you realized everybody had to transition and there was no way out of it. I think back then, if if someone came to the counter to deposit their check, that one transaction cost the bank around $2.64. If they put the check through the ATM machine, it was $0.08. And so it was a no brainer. There was, it was a mass push. That's when they started putting, you know, banks into um, grocery stores and how, just how much, how condensed can we make all of these spaces? And creating financial incentives for direct deposit. Like if the, if the ATM costs eight cents, direct deposit, it's even, even less. And so like might not be a revenue center, but it certainly becomes a massive uh, margin um, impact. You are exactly right. So think about that. That right there, that direct deposit is what is what the beginning of the analytics for financial services started to make people realize the real power of technology and in, in offering these types of things to consumers. Because if you could get a direct deposit, get your mortgage, and do an automatic transfer out of your checking account to pay for that mortgage the stickiness of that customer. It wouldn't matter how bad the service was, how overdrawn the account, how many fees, like it wouldn't matter. They're like, oh, I cannot go set all of that up with another bank. I mean, my my mortgage gets paid out of it. You know, I have to stay at this bank. And so that was another reason for getting customers, you're exactly right, engaged and rewarded for using technology. That's interesting. So, all right. So we're both coming from this like depository background, but like we all know the industry has changed a lot in the, in the, I won't say decades, but you know, in the recent years, we've seen this massive shift to the the independent mortgage bank and assurance being a, a mortgage banker. How do you take some of those like depository learnings about customer service and the, the technology innovation and apply that to where the market is today with a much larger emphasis on the mortgage bank versus the the depository as the the distribution center for, for mortgages? Yeah, good question. So Definitely taking both journeys to heart from the very beginning. I don't choose a single tool or a path to using that tool that only benefits the loan officer or only benefits the customer. 
there are more bells and whistles, as you know, out there, you know, the $5 billion a year for the last few years that were put into fintech, sort of the last big opportunity for these private equities to make a bunch of money on technology was in financial services. And largely, um, mortgage was a beneficiary of that. And so there's so much you could buy and add on and glue on. But the point was that there is a core competency of knowledge um, from the very beginning of acquiring the user. So you have Google Analytics, right? All the way to the very end of selling and, and the acquisition of that loan. For us, we, we only service about 30% of our business or so. So the acquisition of the loan outside of it. Um, and so that those early findings definitely helped me recognize everyone's going to struggle. And so we broke it into three markets. And I said, here's how we're going to do it. There's market one, market two, and market three. That's going to be our grand plan. Market one is the internal team, all of the employees for Assurance Financial. Market two is our partners, you know, all of uh, our realtors, our appraisers, you know, anyone who spoke about us, you would be a partner. And then market three is the market. And we would never want, as we go through these dramatic changes of now you can apply online and through COVID, now you have to apply online, right? For the, for the market to tell the realtor, oh, this is the company you want me to use. Yeah, they have that nice new online application. And the realtor go, oh, well, I don't know about that. So just go talk to my my loan officer, right? Well, you want your partners to know before they're dealing with their clients. And then, and same with the, the internal teams. I mean, we're in 11 states, right? We need to get all new messaging out to our own team before a realtor comes to them from some big campaign we ran and says, hey, I heard you have that new fancy point of sale system, right? So we, we were very cognizant of the, the timing that we release each new endeavor from the technology side. The difference, to wrap up that question, is that today, the surprise and delight of, oh, I can do this in the ATM machine or I can just pay my bills online. The surprise and delight is largely gone because the expectation is like, I just did this on Amazon this morning and I got my package this afternoon. It's like, how fast are you getting this? So we are really playing massive catch up with the expectation of the consumer when they go to a digital experience. If today we were still doing this in person, they would have more patience, right? But you know, you started the conversation with talking about like, hey, if you screw up a Zappos order or like if they accidentally send you skim milk instead of whole milk in your Instacart order, like no big deal. You correct it. Your week wasn't ruined. Your financial life wasn't ruined. And like, as we take this expectation that's being set by, by Amazon and, and, and others, like we're still talking about relatively inconsequential commerce experiences where the purchase of a home, um, you know, it's not completely irreversible, but it is a, uh, one of the most impactful financial decisions that consumers make, one that can make and break not only like their, their meeting, making ends meet each month, but their long-term wealth creation. So how do you get that, the importance of the transaction to flow into the consumer's willingness to invest time into the mortgage process? So this is the whole point. There shouldn't be a mortgage process. All right. So those, those of us, those of us who have already transitioned the travel industry and the retail industry and education, right? Um, those of us that already saw this, I, one of the, the first large jobs I had in financial services was with Select Quote Life Insurance. And they were betting on the fact, also very visionary people, um, Charon Singh was betting on the fact that people would go online because they had all these online visitors, but they had this terrible, like, you know, the, one of the first websites that ever came out. 
But he said, I, I think people would, but it is the most personal thing you'll ever do. It's the one thing you'll buy life insurance that you will never benefit from, right? Your kids benefit from it. Your, your live spouse benefits from it, but you're going to have to get your blood drawn and step on a scale and go through this whole hullabaloo and you will never see a dime of that effort. Okay. So people will never do it online, but I think they could, you know, he was confident and boy, was he right. Um, because when we got efficient and offered a really good, quick, easy solution online, which was largely an application, um, they were just blown away, blown away that people didn't care if they ever met their their door-to-door life insurance person again, right? Select quote, select quote was already doing great business over the phone, you know, call select quote, the 800 number on the screen. But when we proved that people didn't even want to talk to anyone anymore, and it, they were willing to do this completely online, it definitely, it's why they're public now. Let's just be honest, you know? So yeah, the, the consumer, the only reason we have this 30 days is because it used to take that long to move, right? It, it, take, it takes that long to move money. It takes that long to move into a new home. You got to pack up, you know, there's all this stuff that has gone on historically. And today, look at what's going on in the blockchain world, which we could even get into. But it's, it's you know, once we have data that is immutable, and we gather it through a secure source, all that data gathering facts a sheet goes away. And you also have very sophisticated buyers that are sight unseen saying, give me that house. We'll move in in two weeks. We'll, sh- we'll ship our stuff later. You know, you have the pace of everyone has changed. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, we're, we see it in the numbers too. We see, um, I mean, we see it in the Altos research data that the days on market continues to go down every single year for the last, I mean, every, like a continuous downward trend over the last two decades. So the housing market is, is moving faster and the mortgage market needs to, to match that pace. So like I, I hear the ambition, I see the vision. What, what have you built at assurance? Like what, what is like, what, what have you accomplished in the the tech stack that you are? I, I know it's a, a never ending evolution, but like what, what have you built today? And like, where are you in this, this path toward not having a, a P word, a process. Right. Yeah. So we're in exciting places. So first of all, um, let me just give you a little bit of history through the four years, because I think everybody's sort of gone through a similar process that when I came on board, um, Kenny, our CEO said, um, look, you know, you're, we're in San Francisco for 20 years and we have these San Francisco people coming out, uh, to give us this demo on this technology called Blend, you know, would you would you sit and listen to it? And I said, oh yeah, I'm happy to do that. I was helping them with that little agency I had with their social media sharing compliance regulation and how to do it and how often to post. I mean, this was like getting a loan officer to do social media at the time was so they thought that was so ridiculous, you know. And now we do it all for. Right. Them. So the framing was like. You're from, you've lived in San Francisco, so you know a thing or two about tech. And we had these San Francisco people coming out. So like you can speak their language. Exactly. Exactly. And they, they did, they did the demo on the big screen. I was not involved with them in technology in any way at that point. They did the demo on the big screen and, um, I was like amazing. And they were like, I don't understand it. Like, you know, and so I said, just tell me one thing. 
Tell me one thing right now. Tell me that since you're just down the road from Intuit, that you are recruiting those tax, uh, you know, those TurboTax guys over as fast as you can because your UI is so close. You know, they said, that's exactly who we recruit from. I said, exactly. Because that's what was missing. Even, you know, the, the Consumer Connect, some of the earlier POSs that did not have a UI that it, people would just get lost in the application. You know, it's too much detail. All right. So four years ago, you take the blend meeting. Was there a, a digital evolution roadmap at that point, or was that kind of like the the starting point for what like one kicked off your time at Assurance, but two kicked off the development of a of a roadmap? You're exactly right. It was it was the kickoff. They asked me to, to bring Blend on at the company. I said I really um, I I don't need to come in house. To it's like field field first name. But I got this, you know, I can do this as a, as a consultant. And he said, I'm too nervous. It's too expensive. I really want you to come on board and, um, or someone in house. And so I said, give me two weeks to think about it. I spent that two weeks in 2018. I had been consulting for them for about a year on the marketing side in 2018, reviewing the entire mortgage industry. And this would have been like July ish in, in 2018. And I thought, wow, there is an industry left that is still this far behind. I am in because this is what I do is transition industries. Uh, so it was just, you know, very, um, you know, serendipitous. It was perfect for both of us. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like how much has changed in the last six years. I mean, I came into the to HW in 2016 and, you know, look around and I feel like, oh, like there's like people talking about digital mortgages and like this, you know, started 20 years ago in in 2000 with like some like digital online applications but uh like it was in its infancy we just didn't know it at the time it was like it was so in its infancy compared to like what has happened in in the last five years so oh i told kenny before he asked me to come on board and after the blend demo i put i, I could see sort of so i put together this end-to-end -end, you know exactly the sort of tools they would need and how it would look and 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 i knew how salespeople are. I knew salespeople do not like change like this. And so I, I handed it to him and he was looking at it. And I was like, are you okay? I mean, like, do you, do you really want to go through, you know, the detail of this? He goes, Oh, Catherine, this is the least of my concerns. You know how much we have going on here. We're trying to launch a reverse mortgage division. And he thought this was just a little side thing we would work on. Yeah. So did you, were you starting to think of like building a stack around blend? Were there other like partners that you knew needed to plug into the ecosystem to really start not just having a digital front end, but like continuing the, uh, the digital transformation throughout the, the P word, the process. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, you know, there was no doubt about it that, uh, and this was something else being in financial services, we were working with this, we use Encompass. So we have this very clunky legacy system that we're trying to put a freight train on, on the front of it. Right. So I said, you, you really can't just do this point of sale system. I mean, it doesn't make sense from all of the other automation that needs to come around it to just do this. So we were going to need a, a marketing operating system. We're going to need, um, you know, data behind everything we do. We, we picked up Domo. Uh, so we, picked up total expert and, and they just kind of let me keep going you know you, you said you said marketing operating system and i knew total expert was about <laughs> to um come out of your mouth <laughs> we won our first xp from them this year yes we've done some really good work and in integrations with them they've been good yeah all right so this is the evolution that started in 2018 but so like how has the stack and like the strategy changed in the last in the last five years and i know like 
our housing lawyer audience is you know, you're not you're not new to them. Like I think our paths first crossed it around 2018 when we were doing our engaged marketing events, and um, and then you've you've spoken 2020 and 2021 on digital um, transformation, and I think you even did a session on like technology priorities. And um, yeah, so let's talk about like the technology priorities. Like what was trying to get accomplished in 2018? How did that change into the market we entered in 2020, like the beginning of, of COVID and, and then we'll, 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 then we'll jump forward, but let's, let's, let's start with 2018 and then what, what changed from a prioritization perspective in 2021, 2020. Sure. And I, I really can deduce each year to two words. Okay. Each, each gets, each year gets a word in 2018. It was integration. It was just getting these tools to talk. Okay. In 2022, it is communication. As the pace of this will inevitably pick up and, and much faster, you know, at the beginning of this year, I started a task force um, and uh, the idea was to try to discuss how we would regularly go from a 30 day mortgage to a 15 day mortgage. And of course, the opposite was like, we just closed one in 16 days last, last week. We can do that. And I'm like, no, I know we can do that, but but not under fire, right? Like just the norm. Nobody can move in 15 days. That was just the beginning of this year. We are already discussing a five-day mortgage, okay? So as the pace of this gets faster and faster, the communication must be more accurate, more excellent, and more available to everyone at the same time. So no more can we live in these days where like, oh, someone's an encompass in my file. Let me wait. I'll come back and look at that file. We can't live like that anymore, right? Because if you're talking about, let's just stick with the 15-day mortgage, you better, you know, between you, the borrower and the the ops team, I'm talking about the loan, loan officer perspective at this point, you better be able to get what you need from everybody right now and everybody be able to see that at the same time. We have spent since the beginning of time with Blend in this situation where um, you know, somebody goes online, we have a fantastically converting website at assurancemortgage.com and somebody goes online and they convert, you know, okay, I'll just start my application here. And for whatever reason, they didn't think to go get their loan officer's link or the realtor didn't tell them a specific loan officer. And so sure enough, the loan officer speaks with the realtor and, and then the panic starts and the, and the email to the whole company, who has my loan? Somebody, you know, they applied online, who has my loan? So that's just not acceptable anymore either. Waiting a day or two to see who has the loan, who's going to, you know, who has authorization and is in office to, you know, reassign the loan. That's just not acceptable. So what we're doing today is the big, the big inevitable word. What's, what's the one big thing do you think we're doing today? I don't know. It depends on the uh, depends on the week in the mortgage industry right now. The the, the word of the year has been efficiency um, and cost reduction. But I know. well, yes, well, definitely we can talk about efficiency. And co- this is not if this is efficiency, but this is not cost reduction. Um, and that is Salesforce. You know, there's really no way around the um, the elephant in the room that people have Salesforce and think it doesn't work. You know, people um, you know use Salesforce and think it doesn't do what they need it to do. And none of that is true. It's the most flexible and really the only real solution today in this industry. I'm completely open to someone else coming along because you want to talk about expensive, it is expensive, but the efficiency is absolutely unmatchable. And so it is tool agnostic, right? Got an API, it doesn't care where you come from or a data feed, it doesn't care where you come from. You can pass data in any way, shape and form you'd like to do that. And so, um, 
we are building that out. A user experience, a new point of sale system for the borrower will be live right on top of this platform as well. So in real time, the loan officer can see someone applying. They can go and check with a global search to see if someone else got their loan, and then they can get those things reassigned. If you own the account, they can handle it themselves. As we get ready for the holidays, which is really just code for the end of the year and a focus on 2023, we keep hearing lenders and podcast guests talk about gaining a competitive advantage and not letting loan quality or extraordinary client service slip. Our enterprise loan quality partner for the Housing News Podcast, QC Ally, has a few tips. One, have a big focus on pre-funding QC. And two, know your risk quality tolerance and test and manage it to provide a clear line of sight into the health of your loan manufacturing process. If you have certainty regarding your operational risk, you can expand your credit box while streamlining processes to increase client service. QC Ally calls this the power of the pre-fund. QC Ally is hosting a lunch and learn next Friday focused on proactive loan quality. We're dropping a link in the show notes or you can sign up on housingwire.com under the events and webinars tab. Okay, I, I need to like take notes and come back to all the things that I want to hit on here. But like, all right, okay. so first go back to okay. the, the five-day process. So when we talk about five days, are we talking about um, – like app to completion of underwriting and how does that flow into like your partner experiences or like other like loan requirements of um, appraisal inspection interaction with your title partners? Like where did, where does that all fit into like the full timeline of like the day a borrower puts their information in or talks to an LO to the day they actually walk away with the, the keys in their hand? Very good question. So the um, let's start from the very beginning. You've got a point of sale system. Who cares which one it is as long as it gets all the data in there? You run it through um, a tool called uh, Candor is probably the most ideal one, where as soon as you, you press the loan officer, by the way, runs Candor, right? So as soon as that loan officer has everything in, they push it, they get an instant um, you know, uh, steps back of what it could be. They make sure that they wrap up some of those things. And so that application to clear to close can happen. You know, some people are up to 70 or 80% of the time because um, that as long as you have a really good application, the LO, you know, it knows that they're pressing, you know, running everything through AUS. Lindark um, owned by Tammy Richards is uh, really helps encapsulate all the other pieces too. So uh, I think that's it. We had her come in and do a consultation. That's a very good solution. Um, it's worth, you know, just getting rid of some of the technology that just is, is fluff or not really going to, uh, like you're saying, you know, get to a cost efficiency on the loan. That is a real goal of hers with her, pro- with her program, our, our entire platform. And then, um, you know, some of these things have to be automated. Some things like pulling preliminary title report is free. We don't know that we're waiting for the title company to come back, but that we have, lo and behold, you know, she, she has that capability. Um, things like condo, you know, val- validating the condos to get that done quickly. Uh, auto ordering title and appraisals. Appraisals next year will have a new, um, you know, new, new legal uh, applications out where there'll be different types of appraisals and many of them will not require a full appraisal. You know, where you can just stand in front of your house and stand in the backyard and take your own pictures and 
Yeah, no, the remote Val innovation is happening uh, very quickly. Exactly. So once you get that all glued together, you're really just waiting for, you know, docs and funding. Yep. All right. So speed is important for borrower experience, but it's also important for cost of manufacturing alone. And we saw, I think last month in the MBA IMB report that the average cost of producing a mortgage or manufacturing a mortgage has exceeded $11,000, which is absolutely insane. A lot of people in the industry talk about how, um, much the cost to originate has gone up since, since Dodd-Frank. And, but we also have like this promise of efficiency from technology. So how do you think about costs of production and efficiency of production in relation to the investments you're making in platforms and solutions? Okay. All CEOs hear this part. Uh, everyone who knows a CEO fast forward to this part. Okay. Do not think technology in and of itself plugged in is making you more efficient or saving you any money. So you can't take an e-closing solution. We use SnapDocs. You can't take SnapDocs and plug it into your whole system and say, I don't know, it's not saving us any money. It's not saving us any time. Because what happens is team, some teams, and we did this initially, they take it, they take it on and it's just another place to store data. They didn't change one single thing in their process. They just have another thing. So to them, it's inefficient to have that technology. Okay. So you have to decide to take on technology when you decided to work with your team to change their process. And I've been saying this from the very, from 2017 with this industry, right off the bat, guys, this is before the, the mad rush of COVID, right off the bat, do not sit here and think about what technology you think I should go get based on how you do the process today. What we have to do is say, what can technology do? Let's change that process. Well, yeah, of course you can't like plug in a new solution and think the cost disappeared. You're taking on costs, but you have to be willing to, if you make the change in your business and if you bring in a solution that moves data faster or the word of 2022 communicates better, that, that, that means something else has to change the organization, something in like staffing levels, something in planned hiring, something in a, another partner or vendor relationship. So you're just, you're saying that once you make the decision and find the roadmap, then you have to go do the necessary things to really realize that efficiency. That's you, you and you have to actually implement it. It doesn't matter. There is nothing personal about this process or else don't get the tool because you, all you've done is added cost to your bottom line. So imagine in 2020, when everything got crazy busy, you know, we were buying technology and integrating like crazy. So you have vendor fees, you know, tech solution fees, um, you know, v- uh, man- vendor managers within the company fees, right? You have all of these fees that are adding to that. Um, and then we got so busy, we started outsourcing, right? And so then when, when all of that, you know, started to slow down, we did not need the outsourcing anymore. So that's why I'm saying right now, when this gets busy again, do not think that it's going to look like 2019. It's going to look nothing like 2019. The CEO of um, Home Finances of America, I think that's the name. He was he, he spoke at your Housing Wire event. Yeah, Home Services of America, their Berkshire Hathaway real estate arm, um, Gino Blafari. Yes. Okay. He spoke with um, with Tom Ferry at our at our CEO summit. They did a uh, like a dual session. That was a great summit, by the way. Yeah, it's really good. So he said it. 
And he was, I just wanted to stand up and clap in the middle of that room if it wasn't so intense. But he said, I'm going to tell you right now, when people ask, what would you, what are you going to do? What, what is your advice for all of us who are not as big as Home Services of America, right? He said, if you do not have money, you hunker down, basically put the, the blanket over your head and you get through this. If you do have money, you better spin, spin, spin and build that technology. So now that this has gotten really to a worse point than I believe people thought, and it would likely last longer than anyone had hoped, um, as the mergers and acquisitions start to happen, right? We're seeing that more and more and people are, are vying for, you know, the, the midsize IMBs, right? Yep. Our newsroom is staying busy. Um, yes. Newsroom is staying very busy. Congratulations on your acquisition, by the way. Thank you. Lots Thank you very much. Altos. Lots of opportunities here. Um, as that starts to happen, you really aren't going to have anyone without technology. And you really have a borrower who is um, quite ready. And now the expectation is that they're going to have a digital experience. When I rolled this out in 2018 and, and all the loan officers were very nervous, I said, guys, just send the link. Don't even worry about it because they're not going to say, gosh, the last time I did a digital mortgage, it was nothing like this. <laughs> there was no last time there was a digital mortgage. And you can just say, yeah, this is the new thing. Let's just figure it out together. Hey, check out that box. Oh, I see. I didn't check my box. Okay. Like just, just start. All right. Now, right. $4 trillion in business, $3 trillion in business last year. Uh, now that everyone will have had a last time they did a digital mortgage. And so it's going to be like, you still didn't figure this out. I mean, this is a, the last one was easier. And thank goodness for Quicken Loans spending, what is their marketing budget? Like $900 million a year, right? I think you're like the third guest in a row who's like thanked Quicken for press button, get, get mortgage. I'm not trying to do this, folks. Everyone yes. keeps thanking Quicken for their Super Bowl ads. <laughs> it's Well, and for actually doing that, right? Even if they didn't do a, a, a great user experience the whole time and you're doing that many loans, who has a great experience half the time, right? We, we almost have the same NPS score, um, net promoter score, and they have, you know, quadrillions of loans and we don't. But the, the point is that they are paying to train the market. That is one less expense. If, if you're trying to create a tool, let's say you're trying to create Facebook and you say, I want to create this social media platform where people are going to wake up and the first thing they're going to want to do is open up their phone and see what their friends are doing. That would have been crazy talk before Facebook, right? It's like, that is the last thing I've got to get to work. You know, that is the last thing. So to change market behavior is extraordinarily expensive. And then when it happens, you know, it's contagious. So they paid that path to change the market behavior that we didn't have to con convince someone it is safe to put your information in this digital application. We didn't have to do that. So now we are just catching up. And I mean, that's like the direct correlation, like what the early innovators in mortgage did, they trained the market, but the insurance companies also trained the market. Depository banks also trained the market. Amazon, um, Carvana, they're, they're, they're still alive. Um, they've all trained the market on like the experiences that required us to step into a digital evolution also paved the way for consumers being willing to go through the digital process. So you mentioned having to kind of push now for the folks that are listening and not watching on YouTube, like I'm pushing the loan originators into using the link. So how has the digital roadmap and evolution changed the culture at assurance in the type of LOs that 
excel and like thrive on the platform and uh, capabilities that you're building. This to me is one of the most exciting um, benefits that is a little can be more immediate to see because the evolving your current process with people who are already in that process is always a little bit of an uphill road, right? Um, I, I believe I have shifted from being the most hated person in the company to, to one of the most appreciated, at least. Uh, I don't know if I'm loved at this point, but I'm certainly appreciated because now they get really excited. They know they can trust me that I'm not, you know, everything I've said has come true, you know, that we're there. Um, but the new loan officers are either leaving their company because they were with a big broker who was never going to adopt this type of technology, right? Um, or they're younger, you know, finally we're starting to see some younger people get into this industry and they just kind of expect it. But as they are interviewing with other places, we have a super cool intranet uh, called the hub. And so we have single sign-ons to these technologies from the hubs. We have, you know, quick demo trainings for them. We have a make more money Monday where we teach them how to use these tools on Monday afternoons. Um, you know, there's a lot of resources for them for the technology. So you, again, you can't just dump it in people's laps when these new loan officers come in and see not only what we what they have access to, but the training and, and hands-on to help them evolve. The industry is evolving. You know, the industry is evolving. They're just like, we had nothing like this where I was. So That's cool. I One of the things, it's exciting to hear about like younger and like um, new loan officers coming into the ecosystem. One of the things that kind of scares me about the market we're in right now is we've seen a lot of originators start their career in a extremely low rate, extremely high volume market. And same on the real estate agent side, like where the transactions were just uh, happening without like learning the, the basics. Do you feel that some of those new originators are gonna muscle through this low volume environment that we're in right now? And do you, are you fearful that they'll kind of, you know, run toward greener pastures instead of stay through in this industry that we know is long-term fruitful, but still cyclical? That is very much dependent. That is certainly the question of the day, Clayton. And it is very much dependent on the regional sales managers because you have today, especially, you have to weigh your options. The job market is is terrible, right? Regardless of what good news they try to drum out of the, the job market, it's terrible. So you need to make money. You need to feed yourself, your family, whatever it may be. And so you have an option to make, let's say that you have to make 60000 a year. Well, how much business do you do, have to do to make 60000 a year? Last year, you might would have made 250, even being new, right? But let's just say this this year, you have to make 60. Well, where are you going to get a $60,000 job? Where are you going? And I think the other side of it is if they can you know, hang in here, there are many people who will fall out of the market. This, that is always the case. They just don't understand commission only you know, situation and they get nervous and leave for the new ones. But then I do believe there will be a greater transition to a consumer direct model. Again, do you do you go online and say, I need to fly to New York? Would you like to find the, the nearest location to book your flight or would you like to book online? Get started and we'll call you to book your flight. <laughs> you know, you just go and book your flight. Right. So this is this is where this is headed. It's like credit card. It's like everything else. Um, and again, the faster it can be 
we can talk about marketing, the, the uh, very nuanced conversations that will go on with that uh, because of the relationship time you have with people. But that means that the LO will have less relationship time with them too. So even if we had all traditional loan officers, if you did close loans in five days, you, you, you haven't established this big, huge rapport that they're just never going to forget you, right? When they do this four years again later, that other than you know, hopefully you're doing great marketing, um, that they're, you know, and, and good alerts like sales boomerang, where you're really watching their, their life behavior. Um, you know, if you're not doing, you're not taking advantage of the new tools that are out there and regularly sending mortgage co- uh, coach quotes. When people are like, I'm not really sure if I need mortgage coach now because it's, you know, I have to pay for it and I don't have very many loans. I said, well, here's what you do with mortgage coach. Yeah. You, you send it, you send what they got in 2021 or 2020 and you send them what their loan would be today and say, thank gosh, you bought that home. I knew it was good timing for you. Lucky you look at where you'd be today. That is something that he will show his friends. Look how much money I could have never even bought in this market. Give him something to be proud of, you know? So um, as the transition goes to consumer direct, not entirely, that will never happen either. There are still life insurance salesmen, right? You can walk up to, and there are still travel agencies you can go to. But as the large shift goes to the consumer direct, some of these people can shift into those roles too. I think the the conversation about the evolution of consumer direct makes a lot of sense as we talk about technology evolution and capabilities. But from what I'm seeing in the data in data is that the market facing retail originator who's been purchase focused and who has real term referral relationships, their volume is holding up much better in this market than many of the consumer direct players. And I, and I know there, there are outliers out there, but consumer direct, particularly lead driven consumer direct has really had a tough run in this rising rate environment. Do you think there's a, a different iteration of consumer direct that we expect in this cycle or, or post cycle? Um, or do you think I'm missing something there in that, in that kind of categorization? Well, I'm going to be really frank with you, Clayton. I think that this difficult market is the best thing that could have ever happened to consumer direct. Well, because it shook the dependence off of, um, web leads or what? Well, it shook the poor customer service excuses. It's wake up. And remember that you're servicing a client for the largest transaction they likely will ever do, that you're helping someone find a home for their children in a school district where they will learn. And when the typical, that's how, you know, look, this was the same thing in life insurance. Pound the phone, hundred calls a day, hundred calls a day. Hurry up, get them, call them and text them back and text them back and, and just send a rate over on, on text and just that madness um, it's just unacceptable anymore. And when you're very stressed about whether or not this is a good time to buy, particularly what do we have? A lot of millennials coming on board. They are very confused by all this messaging. Um, they know how to run a mortgage calculator online. That's not what they need help with. They need help understanding. You know, and I know if you got that through your guy on the phone for your investments, right? You're like really determining whether or not you want cryptocurrency. You cannot today, go sit in someone's office down the street and discuss your crystal, you know, do you want to do Bitcoin? Is Ethereum really going to come back? You know, like you cannot do that. How wild would that be? How wild wild would that be, right? You'd never even think about it. Um, Even though I think there's still like Bitcoin vending machines somewhere, but I'm pretty sure that's a scam. There are. (laughs) There are. Yeah. The crypto world is quickly changing. Um, But 
you're making, you know, a lot of people are making big decisions in crypto. So you would have to get on the phone. Now there are places you can call on the phone, right? And you're getting really sound advice. They're taking care of you. They're teaching you how they're screen sharing. They're walking you through the wallets. I mean, this is a much more complicated transaction for all intents and purposes than a mortgage because the actual technology experience uh, is, is, is more challenging than what we typically put a borrower through. So, um, yeah, today, I think it's great that the traditional loan officers can have a little confidence that they are highly needed and the consumer direct teams can completely reinvent their purpose. So like a reinvented consumer direct, I know a lot of organizations have broken out purchase consumer direct and refi consumer direct. Are you kind of describing a, a culture and experience that looks more like a, a purchase consumer direct shop that also does refi where I think the refi shops and not just shops. I'm not categorizing a whole lender. I'm kind of categorizing like, I know there's consumer direct lenders who put the refi teams elsewhere. And like, does that, is that what changes? Well, remember we're evolving as an industry. So, you know, I don't know why, like I, I had one branch manager who I just love to death. Um, for some reason he decided to get licensed, even though, um, he lives in, in one state, we won't name which branch, but we won't name which state. And he decided to get licensed in a bunch of states. And, um, he lives in the South and he said, Hey, uh, Catherine, I know you handle consumer direct. So I'm licensed in California now. So just send me all the California leads. <laughs> oh, look, you decided all of California it's coming to you. You know, so the territorialness got to ask. You know, yeah, he's crazy to not ask. I completely agree. Florida too. He wanted Florida too. Uh, So, you know, the territorialness just around where they are, you know, is is sacred. They've spent a lot of local money. They've, you know, sponsored lots of um, everything from local teams to, uh, you know, big events to all the realtor deals. It's like somehow or another, there has to be some, you know, rolling equity that comes with all of that expense and marketing over the years. So that's a, a challenge. But then going even wider than that, well, I'm licensed and I was here first, you know, so the, the main thing that has to happen is there has to be a very, very clear line in the sand for um, how the company chooses to handle it. And you have to be willing to let go of the loan officers that just might not jive with what you've just, how you've decided to grow your business. And that's just the bottom line, because ultimately they won't be able to go anywhere and, and have that sort of territorialism anymore. But that's, an, again, that's an evolution. You know, that's not next year. You know, we'll still be very happy they're hanging with us, you know, next year and always have, they, they can always hang with us. The question is how to do the business. And we have not really had a lot of control, for instance, you know, through Salesforce, um, there's some really cool tools that have come out where you can, while you're in the, the consumer account, you can just pop open a little tab, a little gift center tab and send a little $5 gift card to Starbucks. You can, you know, send your nice closing gift at the end. The milestone can prompt you with suggestions to send certain things. And it's not, you know, there was a big um, survey that was done that said borrowers, only 4% of them care about that closing gift. I have, you know, I have loan officers that are full of bags in their office with all their closing gifts that are the most important closing. Everyone loves those gifts. That's the one I have to use. You know, that's why they're going to come back in four years. They're going to remember that salt and pepper shaker that has our logo on it. Like, are you really putting a salt and pepper shaker with our logo on it on your table? You know, but whatever. To them, it's important. And I understand that. But wouldn't it be awesome as the marketer to control the, the, the experience between the, the company and the loan officer and the borrower, where as soon as the loan gets locked, 
they get a $5 gift card that goes to, from Starbucks and says, have a cup of, have a cup of coffee and take a load off. We've got it from here. So, oh God, that's kind of nice, you know, and then they, they, they reach, you know, clear to close and, you know, they get to select their closing gift because it's coming. And, um, if the, uh, appraisal came back low and there's just a real challenge there or the rate they could have left, but they didn't, you know, there's some discretionary opportunity to tangibly engage with people in a way that even traditional loan officers are not doing today. And so when I say reinvent, I, I don't mean how do we take this traditional conversation where you care and put it on the phone? I mean, how do you surprise and delight the borrower? They're like, these people have got me, you know, and I know when I call in, it doesn't even matter who picks up the phone. I don't have to wait for someone to call me back because they're answering my question right now. That's phenomenal. So Catherine, you mentioned that the, we're not fully anticipating like smooth sailing in 2023. The market might be harder longer than anybody anticipated. And we're not definitely not asking you to like, you know, make interest rate forecasts for 2023, but how do you prepare the business with caution and prepare the roadmap with caution and prepare your loan originators for a year that we're going to have to keep working really hard to bring every loan through the door and, and keep earning more and more. Like how do you prepare the strategy for 2023? Yeah, that is, that's a big one. You know, I think most people in the C-suite for 2023 are feeling like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, uh, particularly with the technology, you know, from that perspective. And the, you know, the motivation has to come from um, the confidence that you've got them, right? Like I have got you no matter how you want to present yourself to a customer. If you want to present yourself through a traditional marketing flyer and, and uh, we have a biz box where you get this surprise little tchotchkes to hand out to people. And um, then we're going to continue that for you. But at the end of the day, um, you are a self-sourcing individual. And what we're going to do is wake up every day and help you give you what you need. But if you go and take the time, this is the greatest thing loan officers have right now is time and learn these tools, learn uh, how to put life events into Salesforce, learn how to um, have a, a conversation that's that lasts longer than the right now house. You can reinvent yourself in a way because guess who's left? Exactly like what you said. All these people are going to leave the industry, right? Guess who's left? The best. This is what they were already doing without the savvy technology tools to help them do it. Oh, there's a cream rising happening right now in loan originators, in mortgage banks, in real estate agents, in tech companies. There is a cream rising. Like this industry will be better on the other side of this. Completely agree with you. But they now have tools that some people may not. You know, if you if you have someone who's done this a really long time and is successful and they're older, guess what? So is their their database. So, you know, surprise and delight these people, learn how to use these tools, learn how to use alert strategy and uh, be engaged in their lives. Perfect. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Housing News. Happy to be here. Thank you, Clayton. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.